0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in an empty capital. Very strange, very strange indeed. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Tom Broughton, founder of Cubits, a modern spectacle retailer. Tom, Hello. Hello. Thank you for making time to come on the program today. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't address the uh, the giant elephant in the room. How has COVID nineteen affected your business? <laughs>
1: it has affected, I think, every single little part of it in various uh, degrees of severity. I mean, we're a we're a retail business with ten physical sites in in all in London which uh you yeah, know we suddenly we suddenly closed temporarily last week, mm. uh, so it it we are right in the middle of you know a, a seismic moment I think for, for humanity and not just our little business
0: and how have you been coping with it? how have you adjusted
1: so um i mean I, I think like like you know many of the small businesses we've we've gone through a, a whole series of different stages over the last couple of weeks, i mean, I think there was a that the dawning realization, I think that, you know, the impact of this is going to have probably took a couple of days to sort of, uh, mm. settle in. Uh, and then ever since then, we've been, uh, moving, trying to quickly move on to the sort of the next stage really. And we've been talking about it as a company of two stages, stage one being about surviving and stage two being about thriving. So we're trying to get through the survival bit, so that we can uh, really think about how we can utilise this amazing set of human capital that we have in the business um, over this this time of um, physical and uh, economic lockdown.
0: Now, of course, you have a very interesting uh, range of products, and I'm sure that uh, people uh, like myself have seen them online and uh, have been able to have access to them through that. Um, are you still trading on your online business, or is that shut down too?
1: Yeah, so we're, we're still running online. We're still running our uh, glazing lab. We're still trying to run as many of the services that we can offer as possible, Um but obviously, subject to the various constraints that we have about the, the movement of people and the number of people we can have in a room at any period of time. Um, so, you know, we have a, it's an interesting product and in that it is, you know, spectacles are uh, something that people need, not just something that people want to buy. And so we, we you know, we have a duty and obligation to provide a service mm. more than just about um, selling a product. So we're still, we're still working through the best ways we can we can do that, really.
0: Well, let's uh, let's traverse back into the field of leadership. Um, as long-time listeners of the program will know, I always like to start every interview with asking the same question. What does the word leader mean to you? I mean, I think for
1: me, it's uh, clarity of purpose. Uh, and that doesn't have to be Prescriptive, too prescriptive for mm. the sense of and, and the feeling that um, y- you you know the direction in which you're traveling and the reason that you're doing it. And I think all the good leaders that I've interacted with and worked for and worked alongside in my time have all managed to engender that both in me and the teams around me.
0: Now, how would you describe your personal leadership style?
1: I would say my personal uh, leadership style is about trying to create, um, I guess, a, like a sandbox in which in which people can can operate. Um, I like the idea of defining the rules, I guess, and then allowing people to uh, live and experiment within within those, those set of rules. Really, I mean, i, I I'm certainly wouldn't say that I am uh, an, an autocratic. Leader, I'm not a particularly prescriptive leader, um, but I think I like to think that I can create, uh, help to create an environment that allows an expression of uh, creativity, I
2: guess.
0: Now you have a very unique brand uh, as we mentioned earlier. You've created a space uh, uh that is not just uh, showing the product but also uh your your stores themselves are very interesting uh, both uh, through interior design and architecturally on the outside. I, I comes to mind uh, your shop on German Street for instance. Mm-hmm. Um how did you come up with the vision for the brand that you have?
1: So I've always I've most facts for a long time. And it struck me from quite an early age, I think, that spectacles were one of the most individual products that you owned. Mm. Um, you know, this is something you'd personally chosen, but, you know, it'd been glazed specifically for your prescription, which very few people would have shared with you. It would have been fitted for you, it would sit in the middle of your face and accentuate your features. It was extremely individual. And so when we, when I was developing the brand, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking, how can we kind of imbue that sense of individuality all these different touch points? You know, one of those was the the physical manifestation of the retail experience. So, you know, we took the decision that every single store needed to be different, needed to be unique. It needed to tell the story of people, you know, the area and the people around it, the people that shop there, the people that work in it. And so, you know, these little, these little reference, references and touch points to individual individuality, hopefully feed all the way through through the brand really, so that every single customer, whether they're a for an they fully bespoke, you know, hand designed, handmade pair of spectacles, sure. shares that, that that sense. This product and this service is customed and tailored for them.
0: When it comes to individuality, is this something that you also encourage within the business?
1: Oh, I, I no, mean, absolutely. I, rem- I remember. I mean, we, we, you know, we we don't have uh, we, we we don't have prescriptive rules about how people should behave. We don't have rules about how people should dress, how people should think. Uh, rather, what we try and do is encourage people through a set of values. You know, there, I guess there are rules really. There are our, our nudges um, and try and I guess get get the get the most out of people. You know, uh, I spent you know a decade in in a corporate world where I felt you know, there was probably too much emphasis on people trying to um, behave in the same way. And you know, I still remember you know, when I was working at an accountancy firm every year when I'd have my performance reviews, it would all be about focusing on my, it would be much more about trying to ameliorate my weaknesses <laughs> rather than accentuate my strengths. Right. And that always seemed a strange way to do it because it's just it's naturally much more difficult to do that, right? You know, and and actually it seems to me that building an organisation is more like more like a game of Tetris, where actually the skill of management is about understanding the relative strengths and weaknesses of people, and then slotting a team together around around their strengths and benefit, uh, weaknesses. And I think if you spend your entire time trying to focus on yeah, you dealing know, dealing with, dealing with um, everyone's weaknesses, you you end up wasting a lot of time, and you you end up with an not particularly effective organisation. So we've taken the view of let's 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 find these, these people that share our values, and then it's our job as yeah leaders and managers to try and assemble them in a way that benefits the company, benefits them.
0: Now, of course, uh, individuals are human uh, and uh, they don't always get on with each other. Let's be honest. Uh, people sometimes uh, don't uh, pull up uh, their socks and get all their work done. Sometimes they have conflict with each other. How do you resolve these issues uh, within the workplace?
1: I mean, I guess there's two things. There's trying to minimize that happening in the first place, which I think you know, over the long term is the easiest way to do, deal with that, right? So you know, one we have a little um, framework and grid of values that we recruit on, and one of them is altruism. Mm. I think it's really, really important. Not just because it's it's you know, and, and a nice thing to do, but I think it's a re- it's a bit of a bellwether, really, for how how people interact. If they can be empathetic, whether that's a customer or a colleague, then you know, I think you know, empathy gets you ninety nine percent of the way there. Whenever there's conflict, so we we'll always try and re- re- recruit based on that. And, and um, yeah, the, the second big part is communicating and, and dealing with a problem quickly. Right. Because I think you know the the the, the real fallout is when uh, you know issues between individuals, which there will always be, uh, are buried and then invariably come out. You know, after, after a Christmas party when someone's too much to <laughs> drink, or you know, they're just. Whereas actually, if you if you can. Recognize them quickly and talk about them, you know. Normally, it can bruise off pretty quickly. Of um, course. And I think we've got much better at that as an organization over the last few years, but, you know, it, inevitably it's going to happen again because human beings are, you know, we are we are strange complicated uh,
0: organisms indeed well unfortunately what's uncomplicated is that we've run out of time but uh tom it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you and i very much hope that you come back on the program when all this is through and we can have a a further more in-depth chat tom thank you thank you very much that was tom broughton founder of cubits and now if you haven't heard it before it's jonathan white's exclusive interview with sir jeff hurst
2: Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realize that I did uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in in, uh, in Liverpool, many many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, of one or two injuries. Um,
3: It can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, Geoff, uh, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him?
2: Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, they, they quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, um And, of course, uh, a great manager in Southampton. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case.
3: And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with
2: Which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now, but it now because it is quite funny.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we're time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me? I, I can tell if you if you want. You want? got time. I can tell I go, you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel
2: Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, guest of honor. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions. Looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back to an earlier earlier question for me, that, um all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially.